This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsey. Starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinsey. Today I am joined by Vinny Hardy of Cats Talk. Vinny, thanks for coming on. Hey, glad to be on, Evan, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? Can't complain. It's March Madness and lots of fun hoops action, man. It's, it's a great time of year right now. I agree. First, uh, go ahead and tell my viewers about your show and where they can find it. Oh, I host uh, Cats Talk Wednesday with, with Terry Brown. Uh, you can get it on blogtalkradio.com. We're live every Wednesday evening from 6 to 8. Uh, if you missed that, just wherever podcasts are available, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, FM, Stitcher, all those various types of apps, uh, and also right for Cameron Mills Radio. I was honored to be a guest on your show a while back, and I know you all produce great shows, so everyone, uh, make sure you check out check Cat's Talk out. Okay, so appreciate it. Okay, so today. The Cats play in their first SEC tournament game, facing the Alabama Crimson Tide at 7 p.m. The Cats are favored in the game, but the Tide defeated Kentucky in their lone game this year. Vinny, what are your thoughts heading into tonight's game? I think Kentucky needs to come out and, and throw that first punch. Yeah, obviously, you know everybody's talking about the revenge tour because you know Kentucky lost the SEC opener down there, but. Alabama looked horrible in the first half against Ole Miss yesterday, and then the script was flipped. And, you know, second half, Ole Miss looked like they'd never seen a basketball, and Alabama got it rolling. Mm-hmm. They're going to come in confident. They already know they beat Kentucky. They're still desperate to try to make the tournament. So Kentucky can't just come out thinking, well, you know, we got a lot of big blue down here in Nashville like we always do and expect Alabama to lay down. And they just come on out and – and take it to them and, and come out just as intense as Alabama is going to be right off the, right off the gate. Yeah, and they Kentucky had a chance to win that game in the conference opener. Uh, Tyler Harrow just missed a three at the buzzer, and Alabama got the two-point win, 77-75. And that game was really a struggle for Kentucky. Nobody really played well. P.J. had 15, but nobody really stood out. That was our leading scorer. But – you really, you really can't count out Alabama. Avery Johnson's a former NBA coach, and he did a great job last year getting Alabama into the tournament. Um, but I mean, this Alabama team—they're just eight and ten in the conference, but they won the their SEC game yesterday against Ole Miss. But they really don't have anyone you would call a go-to go-to player. Their leading scorer averages just four, just under fourteen points a game. That's Kyra Lewis Jr. Um, I mean, there's really they're really uh, veteran team. They have some some good players. That are they're more interior team. But um, what do you think? What do you think their best strength is? Do you think it's a Dante Hall in the paint, or do you think it's with their slashers? I would. There's you. I, I want to say the slashers, but they're so streaky. Yeah. You know, uh, Kevin Mack. Had a good game yesterday, a good second half. And, of course, he shot the lights out <laughs> when Kentucky played him in Tuscaloosa. 
uh, just have to see what him and Petty do. They're just so uh, inconsistent. You know, talent is there. You know, Kentucky even recruited Petty. And, you know, of course, he ended up choosing Alabama. And Hall seems like he's been there forever, but he's a, a savvy veteran, uh, knows all the tricks. Uh, they're they're gritty. They're tough. I, I still think they they for some reason never really play up to what you think they should be capable of. You mean seventeen and fifteen or whatever they are? To me, they shouldn't be scrapping and clawing to still make it to the tournament. But then that's the way they are. After they beat Kentucky in the SEC opener, they lost their next three conference games. I mean, so they're just so inconsistent. They just never can put anything together. And you talked about Tevin Mack. I think he had six three-pointers in the first game against Kentucky. Had yeah. two points. Um, well, something they need to watch out for is their depth. All starters scored in double figures. And they just – they really played a team. But, you know, like you said, the inconsistency has really got them. But they really – they shot well against Kentucky. They shot 43.5% from three in that game. Definitely have to watch out for that. And you talked about John Petty. Well, he was a five-star last year when it came in with Colin Sexton, but he's real, he's been a somewhat of a letdown to me. Just ten points a game, and you you'd expect for a five-star to do more than that, especially in the uh, at the state of how Alabama is right now, is expected to be his team. So, I think I think you know, there's a lot of inconsistencies there, and just you, Kentucky. Kentucky really needs to just attack them on that. Yeah, yeah, just come out and, you know, even if it wasn't a revenge game, you know, Kentucky's a better team, just, just come out and play. Uh, you're rested. They play. Sure, they're more used to the arena and all that, but just come on out and, and set the tone and and don't let them hang around. Uh, and because in the first game, and look, that's been a long time ago, but – as good as Mac was, you know, he, he did most of his damage in the first half. Kentucky was still right there, like a two-point game at the half. But they let Alabama come out and hit him like an 8-0 run in the second half. And then it was a dogfight the rest of the game when Kentucky had chances to go ahead and knock them out in, you know, early stages of the second half, and they didn't. And then that allowed it to be that dogfight. Still had Hero with a shot to win it at the end, like you mentioned. But um, that early in that first half is kind of what made it be tougher on Kentucky than it should have been. And that's that's definitely one of Kentucky's worst games of the year. Um, but I, I don't think they played that way in this game. I think I think they got a little bit of motivation now that Reed Travis is back. They announced, I think they maybe last night announced that Travis would be back after missing three weeks. He started practicing with the team on Tuesday. How much do you think he can help in this game? He, I mean, he's a veteran too. He he knows all the tricks. He's got that, you know, savvy senior experience, kind of like Hall does. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as just knowing where to be, he's always in the the right places. Um, just from an experience standpoint, we've seen in the games where he's been out. And of course, Kentucky only lost one game without him, but that doesn't mean that, in my opinion, Reed wasn't very valuable to the team. We saw 
Nick and EJ get lost on some screens and give some guys some open shots, you know, where both of them go to cover a guy (laughs) and leave a shooter wide open. Just little things that come with experience and being out there and having more reps. Uh, I'm curious to see how long, you know, the stretches Reed will be out there. Will it be those three or four minute bursts like Cal said? Or will he end up being out there eight, ten, twelve minutes and then rest? You know, well, we saw Zion Williamson come back last night. You know, Reed and him got injured at the same time. Um, just the conditioning and knocking the rust standpoint off. Uh, and just that bulk, you know, to, to bang in there with Hall and those guys. Uh, it, it's a lot of experience and a lot of intangible things, and it's good to have him back at this time. Get a few games in under his belt before the real tournament comes in, you know, NCAAs. And I think that the biggest thing that Travis brings is he. it feels like he's been that calming presence for the team this year. The game that I think of whenever I think of Travis's impact on the team is that Kansas game where he just had play after play. He was just amazing in that game, and, I think that the way he can impact the game through his leadership and his experience, like you were talking about, um, is really, really valuable to this team. He's, it just gives him a, another option to throw to in the paint. I know PJ's been amazing this year in just getting a shot off. But Travis is, gives him another threat, and they don't have to – the defenses don't focus in on as much on P, PJ. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like you were talking about earlier, you said the – three or four minutes I think that he'll get around 15 to 20 minutes tonight I don't think Cal's going to push anything and if they win tonight I'm not sure if he plays tomorrow I'd say they'd they'd save him for the championship game if they get it because they've talked about recently they talked about how the SEC championship game really doesn't matter that much in the seating Cal said they've had the they've already decided where they're going to put them before the game starts so I think that Cal's thinking bigger picture here. He's not gonna, he's not gonna rush anything and risk him facing another injury. Cause this team's playing for the championship this year. This is a really, really good team, and I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, do you think he plays tomorrow, or do you think he they they throw him out there? If it's you know if, if Kentucky wins tonight and if, if Tennessee wins and it's Kentucky and Tennessee, I definitely think. He goes again tomorrow. Uh, if Mississippi State pulls the upset, then that would be interesting. Kentucky's already beaten them twice, um, and this—you know—the word is so much is riding on this for seeding purposes with Kentucky and Tennessee round three. Should that happen tomorrow? Uh, if it is those two tomorrow afternoon, I think he will play, and then maybe. If Kentucky gets by Tennessee, then rest him for Sunday, uh, if I had to guess. But if it is Tennessee, I think because, you know, Grant and, and Schofield and those guys, you definitely try to get him out there and, and see what he's got. You know, it'd be a back-to-back. Um, first time playing in three weeks. So, yeah, you definitely want to see how he responds tonight. But if at all possible, I, I can't see him not playing if Tennessee is the opponent Saturday. Yeah. I just I just don't know if he's going to – I think it would be really risky to play him in three straight games and three games in three days for a guy who hasn't played in three weeks. It's, it's going to be tough. But, yeah, I, I like your point on the Tennessee. I think that that game's really important. 
they're number they're number eight in the polls right now, so that could be between the that could be the difference in a one or a two seed for Kentucky and Tennessee. So that game is really important. Um, let's and let's talk about the rest of the SC tournament. Um, the Cats have won the title each of the last five years and seven of the last ten. Do you expect the Cats to make it six in a row? The number one seed LSU was knocked off today, so it's really between. It looks like Kentucky and Tennessee now. So, what's your opinion on this? You you gotta like their chances. Anything can happen, but um, LSU going down is, is a big blow. Of course, they got a lot of peripheral stuff happened here in the last week. Some developments that. Might have had them distracted. You know, they kind of brought that stuff on themselves as far as Will Wade and how he's fighting the administration and all that. You know, Florida, and of course, Florida had played them as well. They had been good games every single time. Florida won in Baton Rouge, LSU won in Gainesville. So it was round three for them. And it kind of went like Alabama and Ole Miss last night. The first half, Florida was trying their best to get blown out. And they turned it around in the second half. And, man, what a second half it was with you know, Nimhart draining the game winner. Um, so, you know, Auburn you and South Carolina are locked up in a good one right now. Um, but everybody on the LSU side of the bracket has to be like, hey, okay, now we – and you want to win anyway, but now they have to like their chances of getting to Sunday. Everybody on that side now. Um, but we also saw how Kentucky had played leading up to Reed Travis getting hurt against Missouri. They were really clicking, um, and now you get him back. It's going to take a little bit for him to get back in that same groove, but you add him back into the mix, they only drop one game without him, and, and you you know, you handle Tennessee, you split with them. Round three, we saw what happened last year in round three. Virtually the same Tennessee team, Kentucky, was able to get them for the SEC tournament championship in St. Louis. So you, you got to like their chances um, going forward. Uh, so it's, it's hard to root against them. It's hard to predict against them. Um, it's their time. I know I'm rambling, but uh, I still like their chances to be holding up another trophy come Sunday. Yeah, I do too. And uh, just a note for the viewers, if Kentucky wins tonight, they will play tomorrow at 3.30 against either Tennessee or Mississippi State. And I really like Kentucky's chances and uh, either of those games, you know, were fully healthy. Kentucky beat Tennessee, I think, I'm not sure, it was over, over 20 points. But then whenever we were without Reed Travis at Tennessee, we got beat by 20 points. So this is, I mean, I've been 30, I'm not not entirely sure, but it was it was a blowout. But um, yeah, it was Kentucky won by seventeen at Rupp Arena, 80, 86-69 at Rupp Arena. So you know Tennessee comes in number one, nineteen game winning streak. They score sixty nine points. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, I mean they blew Kentucky out in Thompson Bowling, but Tennessee only scored two more points. They won seventy one to fifty two. So they, they scored sixty nine in Rupp. 71 in Thompson Bowling. It wasn't like Kentucky gave up 90 points to Tennessee. It was Kentucky's offense that just didn't show up at all. You know, nobody could buy a bucket in Knoxville. Um, but, you know, you score 69 and 71. That's that's pretty consistent in both venues. It wasn't like Tennessee, like I said, hung 100 on them in Knoxville. It was just offensively 
Kentucky was missing in action that day. Yeah. And I know we talked a little bit about Duke earlier, but um, in the NCAA tournament, Kentucky's expected to be a number one seed in the Louisville South Regional. And rumors are going around saying that Duke could be in their bracket. But Duke looked really good last night with Zion back. And it's, I think last week it said the, the committee said that they will consider Duke with and without Zion. So you, if Duke wins the ACC, it looks like they'd be a number one. So that might not happen. But anything can happen in NCAA tournament seeding. Um, Kentucky's been cheated out of a number one seed in recent years. It's been quite stressful, and they've always seemed to get the toughest bracket. So do you, what do you think about the chances of this? Do you think this is a really good chance or eh, not that not that big? A really good chance of, of being a number one seed or going to Louisville? or Kentucky and Duke in the same bracket. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. I think if they can, they they will. I, I, I'd say sixty forty. If they can pair them up, mm-hmm. they probably will. I mean, storylines galore. No matter how it plays out, I mean, if, if Kentucky worst case scenario ends up in Kansas City, and then you got another rematch with Kansas out there, possibly that's looming. If they're paired up with North Carolina. The history there and and coming up short against them a couple of years ago down in Memphis. Of course, that'll get hyped up again. Um, same thing with Duke. Of course, there's a history there. Even no matter how it slices, there's going to be history. There's going to be storylines, and the bracket will be tough. I think I'm just leaning. I mean, if you if they're all in Louisville together, just go ahead and let. Duke had to virtually play Kentucky at home, you know, for a trip to the Final Four. The LSU revenge game isn't going to happen with them losing to Florida today. And so this would be, you know, Kentucky couldn't have a bigger revenge game based on what happened the first game of the season. So go ahead and try to take them on in Louisville. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping this, the Duke and Kentucky game, is going to be like how the Tennessee game was. The um, Kentucky won big against Tennessee, but Duke and Duke won really big against Kentucky. So maybe we can flip-flop that and get uh, Duke wins the first one, Kentucky wins big in the second one. We're hoping for that. But um, Duke's looked really good this year. I know it's ESPN pretty much all they're talking about is Duke and Zion Williamson. So, um, But Kentucky's got to have a chip on their shoulder in this game. That, that They taint the talent levels pretty close. The Kentucky, Duke has the better starting five, but – Kentucky's so deep they can they can throw a four or five guys off the bench at you. So, and I I think it's a I think and and that in that first game I think can Duke was really inspired because they were they felt like they were the underdog. Uh, I mean we talked with I talked to Curtis Burch yesterday on my podcast and he he get, he brought up that point how uh, Duke was considered the underdog in that game. Kentucky was number Kentucky was number one I think. I've been Kansas, but uh, Duke, Kentucky was favored in that game, so Duke's really um, was motivated for that game. But they haven't really had one of those challenges throughout the rest of the year, so we'll see how this goes. But um, what's your prediction if they do meet up, maybe in the Elite Eight? And going back to where you talked about too with Curtis, therein again is important to read Travis because he was about the only bright spot of that game against Duke. Yeah. You know, senior, 
all the hype. I know you played at Stanford and, and you know, the level, the, the strength of that league isn't the same as the SEC and the ACC, but you played against the under eight and played in big games. So he wasn't really wide-eyed in and, and all of all that, and he played well. Yeah. Now you've got everybody else with a full year of basketball under their belt. Hagen, quickly, Hero, you know, even PJ, who has been through a whole freshman season and, and played in the tournament. The rematch, you have to think Kentucky would not be, you know, just intimidated or overwhelmed or whatever was the case that night. So that it would definitely go different. Duke is different as well, but Kentucky is definitely a different team since then. Uh, and and look, we all, you know, Kentucky fans can't stand Duke, but you got to give Zion his due. He's probably been better than a lot of people thought. You knew awesome dunker, physical specimen. But to come back and do what he did last night, you know, he does, he, there's more to his game than that. So you, you got to give him his props as well. But it would be uh, an epic game. And I think if they can pair him up in the same, you know, region, I think the committee will definitely want to do it. I was one of them, one of the people who thought that Zion wouldn't be nearly as good as everyone was stopping him up to be. But he definitely has been. He's been projected to be the number one pick in the draft. I I really didn't think he'd be that much. I figured, I figured he'd be as bad as good as Julius Randle was. And there's a lot of similarities there. Um, I didn't think mm-hmm. he'd be some like great, really great superstar like LeBron or anything. But it really, I think the really good comparison for Zion, I think it's He's a mix between I think Barkley and Dominic Wilkins. I think there's a there's a little bit of both of them in his game. Um, he's got he's a little bit bigger like Charles Barkley Barkley is, but he's got the mm-hmm. freak athleticism like Dominic, and um, he, can, wow. he can he can play a little bit he can play a little bit from the outside. And I think if if he can knock down his jumper consistently, I think he can be really special in the NBA. I know he's going to be really good, but he could be. MVP yeah, that's, level, maybe. That's that's a that's a good comparison, and and even though Barkley was always chubby, he could he was explosive too. And then, like you said, that that Dominique and look, you preaching to the choir. Dominique is my all time favorite NBA player ever. I know favoriteist ain't even a word. I'm, my grammar just got a little shaky, but that's he's my all time favorite player ever. Um, you mentioned that I'm a Rockets fan, and I am. But I grew up a Hawks fan, and and when they traded him to the Clippers, I just I had to disown the Hawks because that was I'd still get so mad when I think about that trade. And Elijah Wan was my second favorite player, so I became a Rockets fan. I've never switched teams ever, but I could no longer be a Hawks fan after that trade. I was I was done with the Hawks. They hurt my soul, Evan. They hurt my soul trading. And the Clippers, look, the Clippers back then were horrible. Yeah. Now they're decent. And, you know, with Paul and Blake Griffin there, they're winning 50 games and, you know, having a good playoff run. Back then, the Clippers were kind of like the Knicks now, the laughing stock of the league. And that's where you're going to send Atlanta's franchise player who, you know, Came back from a busted Achilles and still was playing ball. Y'all going to trade him to the Clippers. So, you know, I still get. I get mad thinking about that. <laughs> he he led the league in scoring, I think, right after his Achilles, didn't he? Uh, that was before. He still came back and was averaging about 24, 25 a game. He didn't have quite the same 
elevation, of course. But he, uh, you know, it was a better from the field jump shot was better, better free throw shooter. Came back as a better passer. He you, he had to adjust, and he did that. And that year, the Hawks were like thirty six and thirteen. Yeah. They had beaten Seattle with Kemp and Payton in the regular season. They're on their way to being a number one seed in the East. And he's, you know, name another big-time all-star that was with him. You, he never had a true, you know, you had Isaiah Thomas and Dumars, Dr. Malone, Bird, Pat McCown. He never had a true guy with him. So they're having the greatest year ever. And that's when you trade him to the Clippers. I just, you know, that's just so dirty. Yeah. I mean, he had Doc Rivers for, for a while, but and you give him like yeah, I mean, 45 yeah. old Doc old Rivers. Season. Kevin Willis was so – they made a couple all-star games. Moses Malone was there, but he was past his prime. Moses Malone was like 36 when he got to the Hawks. He wasn't Philadelphia 76ers, Moses Malone, Stacey Ogman, Mookie Blaylock. But none of those are Joe Dumars. None of those are Scottie Pippen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. None of those guys were on that level. He never had a true – Second string guy, you know, yeah. you know, Shaq and D Wade. He never had a true guy to really help him. Yeah. He was kind of by himself his whole career. I was like, when I'm watching old games, I like to watch Tree Rollins. I just think that name is really cool. But he was he was really old when he was on there too. So it's it wasn't like he was in his prime of career. He was he was pretty good when he was younger. But they had I think he was like they gave- 43 whenever he was on the team. Yeah, they're, they're, they spent money on, like, they gave John Conkac a huge contract, a big man, who was pretty much averaging the same amount of fouls as points per game. They spent big money for that time, and he was, you know, re-signed to try to help Dominique Wilkins. That's, that's what he was working with. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about UK and then maybe talk a little bit about the Rockets. But today could be a really great day for the Cats if they win. But they could also get a top recruit, Keon Brooks. Um, I think there's a really strong chance that they get both. Keon's the number 23 player in the country, and he'll be deciding today between Kentucky, Moorhead, I mean, that's it. I put MSU and say Moorhead, Michigan State, and Indiana. Um, Kentucky and Indiana are the favorites, um, and this this decision could go either way. Um, what's your prediction on Brooks' signing? I keep hearing, you know, that he's starting to lean Kentucky. He's actually going to make his decision while Kentucky's on. Um, and I'm a little bit older than you, but Indiana just hasn't been Indiana for yeah. years. They finally got a big in-state kid last year, you know, with Romeo Langford, and that hasn't gone well. Uh, lost Ohio State yesterday in a, in a game where, kind of like Alabama, you need to win some games in your conference tournament to pad your resume. Um, you know, to see Romeo a year ahead of him go stay home and then – struggle and have such a bad year under Archie Miller, who was brought in to turn all this around. Yeah. I think he might lean Kentucky, or you, but you never, is he going to be like, well, look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what Romeo hasn't been able to do, and will the pull of IU make him want to stay? I think he'll, I think he'll end up 
believe in Kentucky. I'm not a huge recruiting guy, but um, you keep hearing how he's leaning, and and you know guys have got him flipping towards Kentucky. So uh, I think it might be a double whammy where you get good news while the game is going on. Yeah, um, Romeo. It's 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 not even the blame to Langford. He's averaging like almost 17 points a game. Uh, and projected to be like a top ten pick in the draft. He's he's been great this year, but um, but I just I just really think that I don't know if he wants to be in that situation. Everybody was thinking that Langford would turn around the program, but um, and but Langford was a higher recruit than um, Brooks is, so I don't know how that changed. Unless he gets some help, I don't really think that it's going to change that much. Um, so I just. I don't know. I think it would be a great get for Kentucky, though. It's um, it could really help the team out, and this this would be amazing if they if they win the game tonight and get Brooks in the same day. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah, it'd be like Kevin Knox committing during the Kentucky Derby because everybody's enjoying the Derby. What? Oh, Kevin Knox committed. And speaking of Indiana, how Tom Izzo's got to be like, how did we lose them twice? Yeah, like how in the world? <laughs> You know, once was a fluke, but then they you, you go to Bloomington and lose to them again after they already beat you in East Lansing. What in the world was that? Yeah, and you people were thinking that Indiana maybe could slip into the tournament with those um, recent wins, but it looks like they're gonna they're gonna fall short maybe in NIT appearance. Um, and we we talked a little bit about it earlier, but you being a Rockets fan, just wanted to hear. What do you think about the Rockets this year and how James Harden's performed? Well, he's, you know, backing up the MVP season that he had. Um, there was that stretch, you know, the 30-game streak was insane. Yeah. And, it, like, he kept saying, he, you know, in, in interviews a lot in, the, in post-game pressers, he was, you know, I'm having to do this. You know, Eric Gordon's been out. Um you know, Capella's been out. You know, injuries galore. Started off eleven and fourteen, which was just you know totally unexpected. You know, coming off of taking the Warriors to seven games and probably a Chris Paul healthy hammy away from knocking the Warriors out. You know, you're up three to two and uh, not able to close them out, and you got to miss thirty threes in a row in Game Seven. <laughs> to, allow the Warriors to get by you. Uh, so now you finally got everybody back, um, and now they're 31, 32, and 11. Since starting off 11 and 14, love the addition of Kenneth Farid. We, we mistakenly talked about Morehead State earlier, but bringing in the Manimal from the Nets, uh, love the energy he brings, and now James doesn't have to just score his 30. He's always going to kind of dominate the ball a little bit more. That's just D'Antoni's system. You know, a lot of people, you know, get on there about that. But they're kind of peaking at the right time. They still got a shot at the one seed. They're, they're right there. I mean, and it, it, it stunk losing to Golden State the other night without KD. But former cat Boogie Cousins, they couldn't stop him. He went off and – and continues to get himself back from his Achilles injury. He played great. But I'll take beating the Warriors three out of four in the regular season because Houston did go to Golden State and went up there without James Harden. So, you know, touche for that. So I like where they're headed. We're getting to that point now. With March Madness is here, 
you and I, because you're an NBA guy as well, you know as soon as the Final Four is over, we're just diving right into the playoff mode. And so it's, it's right around the corner, just a handful of games left, everybody fighting for position. They're, they're hitting that stretch playing the type of ball that you want to see them play if, if you're a fan of the Rockets. Yeah, this is Harden's been incredible this year. There's not you've not seen something like this since Kobe in '06. Um, just I, I don't know how deep they go in the playoffs. It looks like it's going to be tough. Whoever they face, if it's the Nuggets or the Warriors in the playoffs, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Whoever they match up with, um, it's and it's going to be hard for any team to beat the Rockets. I mean, last year, like you talked about, they should have. A lot of people think that they would have beat the Warriors. If Paul had played, um, I'm not complaining though, because I honestly think that if the Rockets had made the finals, I think the Cavs would have won. So that kept LeBron. Um, that got LeBron to come to LA. So I'm not complaining about that. Um, but I hear you. And I, I was um, talking to a friend who um, works for ESPN Lexington today, and. Um, he was. We were talking. I showed. I sent him a picture of how the the player, how many games the Lakers players have missed. I think Rondo has missed 34. LeBron, 17. It's about to be 18 tonight. And um, there's a ton of games from Lonzo and Ingram they've missed. And and he was talking about it. And um, he's like, well, the Rock, well, the Rockets have. Uh, they were without Paul and Capella for such a long time. But and so he said, I'm just making excuses for the Lakers missing the playoffs, but I think there's a difference in missing LeBron and then your uh, number one and number two playmakers and um, instead of having Harden. you got a shot to win if you have Harden. If you don't have, in my opinion, your top your top three playmakers, uh, I don't think you're going to have a shot to win most games. So I don't think the Lakers situation has been as bad as people portray it to be because they've been in the games. They just don't have the 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 skill to get the win, it's it's really hard if to win without the best player in the world. I'm just going to say it's going to be hard. I don't. It's going to be. It'd be really hard. Um, it's it's just like in if the Rockets were without Harden. I don't, I don't think they win any those games. I don't think they win many of those. They, they beat the Warriors, um, but the Lakers should have beat the Rockets whenever uh, LeBron was out. I don't know if you remember that game. The Rockets. Um, came storming back and Harden barely got thirty, but um, that that situation I think it's I think it's a little bit silly to compare the Rocket season and the Lakers. And there's also the the game when LeBron you know quote said he's activated. Yeah. And Houston had LA you know nineteen or twenty in that game, and LA came back and won that one. And then they went on that streak of like. Losing to Phoenix and New Orleans and Memphis and all that, I think you know the whole Anthony Davis trade and and all that was the blow to team chemistry. I think that was as detrimental or more from a damage standpoint than LeBron getting injured. Yeah. I think that kind of put him in a funk. You know, he lose you lose him for seventeen games with the groin. You know, they were a four seed in the West and and surprising everybody. I think they would have overcame that. But yeah. that whole, I'm trading everybody on the roster for AD, and then, well, it's not going to work. And now all these young guys are still having to come in and play and thought they were going to be gone, and now they are. They're not going to be gone. 
I think that's what sunk their battleship for this season. Yeah. And, so they just weren't able to recover from that. Yeah. And I'm not really happy with the Rockets right now. They took they took my favorite player, Lonzo Ball, uh, out for the season with that that, <laughs> that uh, injury in that, that one game. So that kind of hurt me. I've I became a little yeah. bit of a UCLA fan since Lonzo played. So That's uh, right. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, well, well Vinny, thank you again for coming on the show. It's been really good talking to you. Hey, appreciate you having me, Evan. Have fun watching the game tonight, a couple hours away, and uh, it would be March Madness for real once the Cats take the court in Nashville tonight. Yeah. Um, this has been my show with Vinny Hardy of Cats Talk. You can check out all of our episodes on my site, balltalkpod.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all our social media outlets. Thank you.